Hey there, it's Ben. Just giving a quick shout out today to everyone who interacts with us and recommends us on Twitter and Facebook, as well as everyone on Reddit with the recommendations that just keep on coming in. It's wonderful to see. I'm also giving a shout out to Mr. T for backing us on Patreon, and if you want to be like them, you can find us at patreon.com slash Way. Thank you, and now on to the show. With the Pergo out of the picture, we're really hurting for a way to get off planet. And unfortunately for us, the only place we've found around here that even has rental starships capable of hyperspace travel is also the domain of a gank I've crossed several times during my career, and he's not going to sell me a ship if he knows it's me doing the buying. Going into the dealer, I look around at the quality of ships and I'm absolutely impressed. Is that the command ball from a Trade Federation droid control ship? Those things are hard to come by now. Oh, and is that in Action 6? The wild what? Why is that covered? I tap Reese on the shoulder and point. I move my purple hair over my shoulder. This looks like a job for the Zeltron of the group. Time to do my pheromone magic and make us a deal. That should work on a gank, right? Welcome to a wholesome tale from the Hydean Way, where your hosts, Risa D. Ben Yendel. And David Pickering. This week, we are talking about taking non-humans as characters. There are a few common reasons to take humans as player characters. Some of them are people aren't really wanting to think about what they're using. Sometimes it's we're doing an Imperial campaign, so it's easier to be a human in the Imperial system. But also, there are a huge amount of stories to tell in Star Wars of not being human. Humans are just sort of so small on the species variety. I mean, even just taking a look at the next one over for popularity in movies and whatnot is we have droids which lead to very interesting characters like l3 then just all the other things that we can do with them the question i've got for you two is what are your biggest reasons for playing species other than human for me it's just to do something new (laughs) i am tired of being a human i have to be a human all the time in real life that's so boring to me. There are definitely reasons to play as a human, especially if I'm you're bringing new people into the system and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's great to have them be human so they could explore the universe before having to explore specific species. I can never say that. So we're just going to go with it like that. However, if you want to just try something new, to be something completely different, it's more fun to just go for it. Just pick a random species and learn as much as you can about it. And then that's your new that's your new friend. That's why I like doing it. Especially since some of them, it's like you're watching the movie, pick the coolest looking background character and be like, what's that? I'm going to be that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool way of doing it. <laughs> For me, I think it started as misplaced hipsterism. Because back <laughs> before I played Star Wars, the role-playing game, I played the MMORPG, uh, The Old Republic. Everybody in that was a human. Uh, every time I logged in, it was like, oh, everyone's a human. And I was like, I want to be different. And I want to be something else. So I started <laughs> making, I think, everybody on the light side, I made a Twi'lek. And everybody on the dark side, I made like a pure pure-blood Sith. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be different. I'm going to do something different and be something different. And I found that I really liked being a Twi'lek. And then I liked other things. And so and then when I started playing the Star Wars RPG, I was like, oh, gee, look at all these options. There's all <laughs> these different species. And then there's just human. 
and there's nothing interesting about them. They're, like they're just us. <laughs> so uh, I've seen people play as them. That's not to say there's nothing interesting about humans, but to me, when I looked at the rulebook, I was like, oh, I could be a droid, I could be a Twi'lek, I could be a Gan. <laughs> Nobody ever, like, I had just finished rereading uh, Rogue Squadron when I picked up the mm-hmm. the Edge of the Empire book, and I was like, yeah, somebody else likes Oral Quirk. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's just a matter of, like, it started as I want to be different, and now it's like, oh, I, I can't go like- back to just being a human again, I have to be something interesting try some new hat on every time except now i'm stuck in the twi'lek rut and i'm not sure i'm gonna leave it's like for me it's like in in actual D where you have the people who are like oh yes i'm the human ranger and then you have other people who are like no i'm gonna play the orc i feel like it's that kind of thing where once you start playing an orc or a uh or a gnome or anything like that you're like oh i never want to go back to being a human getting me to Shift off of a dwarf is actually really, really hard. (laughs) I will go out of my way to play a dwarf, some form of fighter. Yeah, I understand that. For me, it's like anything that's innately agile is what I Mm. get drawn to. So, yeah. (laughs) For me also, I find that it helps my role playing to play something that isn't human. Because if I play a human, there's always that temptation to fall back on playing myself. Yeah. Yeah. But if I pick a different species, it's a little bit harder to fall into that because, you know, maybe I'm a Syrian. It's really hard to play Mm -hmm. myself if I'm trying to play somebody who has a head that's like a foot and a half tall and has two brains. (laughs) That makes a huge amount of sense. Like you're saying, that there's just so many different options to it. Each one, yes, we are sort of going into the Tolkien-esque, every species has (laughs) this stereotype, which is, yeah, on its own. (laughs) But it does still have this roleplay prompt. (laughs) As you are going to be finding out shortly on Heroes, (laughs) one of the people will be playing a Gand. (sighs) They're going to be talking like a Gand, who has Uh, a name, so there's at least that. Oh, well, fancy. (laughs) Yeah, the fancy (laughs) kind of Gand. So they have a name, as you're saying. It's not like... It's not like back in the beginning of Rogue this Squadron Gand. when it's just Gand does this and this Gand says he will go over there and have some nachos. It's going to be like <laughs> at least a family name. Can Gand eat nachos? <laughs> okay, in the hero's case, it's just a family name. They don't actually have much beyond that. In the Rogue Squadron case, technically Oral Grig did have both names. He just was embarrassed a lot. And every time that they're embarrassed, they go down a name class. So he would drop down oh, yeah, to Greg does this, now. Greg does that. And when he's really like, when people would be turning beet red, you would have him going down to, well, Gand does this. Like, Gand's <laughs> just the way that they talk are so weird. Yeah. We had a player play a Gand in one campaign. He had a lot of fun doing it, I have to say. At first, though, what he wanted to do was to type into his computer and have his computer do text to speech. But it started everyone started like talking too fast for that to work, but it was still really <laughs> cool and he got really into the role playing of it. And that's the kind of thing that a gand you have to get into the role playing. Otherwise, yeah. it's you know, he did lots of this gand thinks we should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is is that that is the role playing of it. And yep. that's that's the awesome part of doing it. Or like with Twi'leks that David, well, apparently now is just in my games, he seems to play, like <laughs> in my games, you seem to play Twi'leks, but otherwise. I have played more Twi'leks than not Twi'leks. 
<laughs> in everything in Star Wars. Thing is, is that it has a prompt. It has a particular mentality to it. At least with Mazer, you were being this, or at least attempting to be this very kind of suave, kind of, actually very solo Lando in how you were acting. Oh, yeah, back in the days with Mazer. <laughs> you have the sort of starting point of, okay, I'm playing a Wookiee. Well, a Wookiee can be this sort of tall, silent sort of person that every now and then they essentially act as what someone called the peanut gallery and just <laughs> giving these snide comments that are always like, did, what did you say? No, 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 seriously, what What did you <laughs> say? No. That like half of the player characters would actually be able to understand. I'm still trying to figure out how in Solo Chewbacca's name, when he says it, not, includes none of the <laughs> syllables except for like A of Chewbacca. He's like, rrr, rrr, and Han's like, oh, Chewbacca. It's like, no, he said his name was uh, one of the many mysteries of Solo. <laughs> many, many <laughs> mysteries. <laughs> See okay. our Tales episode from several weeks ago. <laughs> yes. Okay, one of the questions I've got is for the species that have come out that you've seen, is there any particular ones that you just sort of gravitate to or are wanting to play be that you haven't had a chance to? Yes and no. <laughs> I have this issue where I tend to play characters <laughs> that are more normalized, I feel. So things that are, are closer to human, almost like I've played a Twi'lek, fan statted of Miraluka. I loved that. I mean, the Chatter fan, not so much, but Things that are less, like, assuming. I really want to, however, try playing, like, a Nikto. That's the one I want to play next. I want to be a Nikto warrior aggressor. Ooh, that's, nice. like, if I do another Force and Destiny campaign, that's what I want to do. That would be awesome. Because they have innate Force powers. But there's so mm -hmm. much variety in the Nikto because you have all the different types of them. Oh, yeah. That's what I, that's what I really want to do because it's so out of what I've done in the past. <laughs> Of more like unassuming, not things that people are going to want to shoot on sight kind of a thing. <laughs> so, you know, but that that's what I want right now. I have surprisingly never played a Rodian. Huh. And I would love to play a Rodian because hmm. I love that sort of weird nature of them. Yeah. Yeah, they, they look odd. <laughs> they have the weird like trumpet mouths. But I, I think they're really cool. I don't really have a specific reason for wanting to play one. I've just always thought one day I'll play a Rodian. But I, I tend to gravitate, like like Risa was saying, I find myself playing very human-like characters like Twi'leks. I played a Chiss once, <laughs> and he was nothing like Grand Admiral Thrawn. He was kind of an idiot. <laughs> uh, I did that on a, a live play podcast, uh -huh. and he, he I, I think I ended up throwing a climbing hook into the Salonians' back <laughs> by accident. Note to any Salonians going forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a Chiss anymore. I, yeah, I tend to gravitate towards those characters as well, just sort of as a natural, like, oh, this is me slightly different and it's a little bit easier to, to role play that but I would love to try some of the more esoteric ones I would love one day with the right group of people to do a campaign where I play a hut and I'm not playing him for laughs and I'm also not playing him as like a gangster like <laughs> okay. I want to legitimately pull up a campaign with a hut character who isn't being used for the sort like the comic relief of oh a hut is doing something that it would be ridiculous to see a hut doing mm. like I want to play him straight <laughs> The thing I want to do with a hut is the hut just sort of screams at me as I want to see like a hut heavy. <laughs> like something just <laughs> kind of. To me, that's awesome, but falls into the realm of like, <laughs> I couldn't pull that off without laughing. 
it's like, okay, this is going to be like a warrior leader hut, which they do have. It's just kind of rare, and you don't see them much because they're on their ships or leading their armies. At least in Legends, they had they had fleets and they had like hut power armor. <laughs> I think we actually have talked about that. I think there was an episode where like we stuffed Ross into some hut power armor. Was it Ross or was it Andy? I can't remember who it's it was Ross. we stuffed into it. We stuck some guest into it. Yeah, it was <laughs> Ross because then we shot missiles out of it. <laughs> no, no. It's a ongoing thing with Ross. If we ever have Ross on again, again, it's going to be somehow in this hut shell armor. That we got off of Babar. Yeah, it was part of my numerous disguises. Yeah, it was great. That's the other thing that you can do with all the various species. Each of them has some interesting little foible that's out there. Like, there's the Mon Calamari spear blaster rifle for underwater. Or you've got the Wiki Bowcaster, which is just plain out disturbing especially nowadays like <laughs> toss it with a heavy it's just disturbing like auto fire and all this other it's stuff like the wookies yeah. weren't dangerous enough we need to give them an exploding crossbow <laughs> i mean the only thing that wookies are missing now are the weird climbing claws that showed up in west end games where you could do extra damage and climb things easier that was amazing <laughs> that's awesome i love how everything in the entirety of star wars eventually ties back to that role-playing game yeah it really kind of does books movies tv shows comics other role-playing games everything cuts tied back to a role-playing game book it's like the only genre or the only ip <laughs> i've ever heard of that didn't start as a role-playing game but 99 percent of everything about it is somehow sourced back to one <laughs> <laughs> yeah and Every now and oh yeah, and then you've got books for that role-playing game, which reportedly I had seen somewhere on Twitter saying that everything had to get reworked. Galaxy Guide 9, Fragments from the Rim, my favorite book from all of West End Games, <laughs> on account of it has nothing in there that is trying to be Star Wars. Like, you aren't going to Mos Eisley, you aren't having a bunch of aliens showing up, you aren't having a bunch of ships. You don't have the movie stuff. It's the first book where it's just, you know, we're just going to do stuff. And you get so many <laughs> weird things. Like, you've got drinks. You've got bands. Like, you actually have bands in there. You've got the High Inquisitor Tremaine, which then metastasizes and in turns into canon. Like, <laughs> you've got... You've got so many different things where it's Star Wars that then... Out of that book, then becomes into the big Star Wars universe. It's a little weird book that, if anyone has a chance to get it, I definitely recommend. I, I have often been tempted to pick up all of the like weird West End game source <laughs> books that I find at the used bookstore. Because there is a fantastic used book, movie, music, all sorts of stuff in Chattanooga store. Name? They moved it. It's kind of dumb. Now the RPG section, you have to go like upstairs and around the entire <laughs> perimeter of the store to get to it. But... That just means that the, the good stuff stays there longer because people don't know it's there. And they frequently have a source book or two for West End games that I've been really tempted to pick up. It's called McKay's. <laughs> uh, I think it's a, it's a very small chain. There's a couple of them, but there's one big okay. one in uh, yeah. Chattanooga. You can literally just bring like a giant box of books and movies and stuff and give it to them and they'll tell you how much they'll buy it for in about 20 minutes. Nice. That's where I get a lot of RPG stuff because it's super cheap there. <laughs> but I've never actually picked up one of the West End Games ones because if I bought another Star Wars RPG, she'd be like, "What? didn't you already buy this one? And she'd laugh at me and I'm just not willing to, to face that level of justified <laughs> mockery. Apparently, we all like playing non-human. I don't play much. I really don't. 
and also the one species that I'm wanting apparently isn't showing up anytime soon in an official fashion, which is the Herglick. (laughs) 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 They've announced all the books, they've announced all the species, at least for the first pass through. I'm almost waiting for like a Star Wars role-playing game second edition to happen or something. And <laughs> then maybe a Herglix. Who knows? I like Herglix. They're apparently still canon. They're like the, the Orca people, right? Yep. That's yeah. actually the reason kind of. why I like them. Yeah. I thought they were yeah. in a... Were they not in a in a module? They're not as a playable species. In Mask of the Pirate Queen, coming up on Heroes. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. I was just like, I was just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've seen one at least in, a, yep. in an NPC... Because that's the thing. I hate that because it's like, you'll see it as an NPC in something and you're like, well, I want to play that. And it's like, haha, tough luck. I'm like, aw. That's why I just fan set it out of Miraluka because there is one in one of the modules. And I was like, yes, I loved Visa Smar. Let's do it. And then there was nothing. And I was like, well, fine then. <laughs> Be that way. The one time I was actually looking to play, Mask hadn't come out yet. So I didn't have any of the weird talent stuff to go along with it to try and backwards engineer it into being an actual playable species there was just the fan created like back in the infancy of i swear it was 2013 14 yeah like when the core book had come out some fans with some really good get up and go went out and created a fan resource for it yeah herglick show up but species got weird then you had the troll the troll with their four intellect <laughs> and no presence and no will i think like uh, oh wow yeah there's got to be some uh, some balance troll are just weird little space hamsters <laughs> well that's the thing is that star wars just has so many species you can draw from and you can even proxy some of the ones that are out there that haven't put into the game with the the rules we already have the one that i am of two minds about that I've heard a lot of people online wanting Desarian? is the Dishad from like, no, the Dishad or what, is that how you say it? The ones that uh, show up in the original Thrawn trilogy where they're like sort of invisible-ish, but they're like Sith created oh, creatures. um, no. It's not, it may not be Thrawn. What is it? What are they from? The Defels. I know uh, there's one in the Old Republic. Um, oh, the video no, game, that is the Dishad. Yeah. I was thinking the Shadow Wolves of the Defels from... Yeah, Thrawn. I can't remember. Maybe I'm mixing the two up, but I know there was one that, like, he's kind of invisible and, like, Talon card fights one. Yeah, that's a Defel. Okay. Yeah, I'm mixing yeah. up the shot and Defel. <laughs> because, yeah, the so Defel... maybe there's not a huge outcry for Defel coming into the game. <laughs> 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 but that's what I'm saying, is there's so many species in Star Wars. I really want to run a game. That takes the players to Yavin 4. It may not even be a Force and Destiny game, but I want to make them fight like an awakened Masasi. Just because I want (laughs) someone to remember these things that don't really exist anymore. (laughs) Even just for the species we have. Like, the amount of species that we have already in the various different books. The Dawn of Rebellion. What was that small yelly guy called? That's not really something I can just type into Google. Small yelly guy... In Rogue One. That's all humans and a droid. Pow. Pow, yeah. I was about to say, because I just brought it up. I was just like... (laughs) Yes, the Drabada. You want to know the funny thing is, is I literally typed small yelly guy Rogue One, and I came up with pow. So... (laughs) 
Google helping me once again. I literally forgot about this guy entirely. I need to go to Netflix and rewatch this movie because I haven't seen it since uh, it came out. I have all the Lego. I actually, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I just found the Lego. He is indeed screaming. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And that's the reason why I remember him is because I have him as a Lego character. (laughs) I like the aliens in Rogue One. They were weird. (laughs) They were like Star Wars aliens, but not, which is generally my opinion of Rogue One. (laughs) It's like Star Wars, but not. It's just, yeah, pow. The Drabada, yeah, which can be found in Dawn of Rebellion, the source book. If you want any of the stats from Rogue One or any of the stats from Season 1 or 2 of Rebels, great location to find it. Any of the other stuff? Yeah. <laughs> and they're missing Purgles, which <sighs> I, I'm just going to be bitter about. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, I think it was Risa who said it a little while ago about finding a background character that you kind of like and are kind of wanting to play. Pow is one of those for me. Like Bistan, just on account of Bistan's a guy who's sitting on the side of one of the U-Wings firing one of those 50 cows at the knees of a ATACT. I like heavies, what can I say? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, the trend seems to be small people with big guns. (laughs) And not for the Rocket Raccoon reason, either. (laughs) (laughs) More power, rabbit. Because I'm trying to find a character that sort of fits into everyone else. So I take something that looks different, like looks amazingly iconic, like Bistan, the space monkey, which apparently was its development name, or Pow. Both of them very distinct looking in Rogue One, and then trying to go from there. Those are sort of my species that we have. Or I'd also play Gungan. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think we've we at at our tables we have like this unspoken not even unspoken. No, it's been spoken actually, I think, of no gungans. That's just a rule. And yet that's also why I've been told I'm not allowed to play a an Ewok. So If we had official stats for an Ewok, that's where I'd be. Because I yeah. <laughs> I wanna play an Ewok so bad and they're all like, No, no one would be able to understand you and I was like, I don't care. It's like <gasps> nobody complains about the Wookiee. Exactly. <laughs> like that's a, that's a, I am one of those people that doesn't necessarily like Ewoks in the group, but I'm not gonna ban <laughs> them on terms of like you can't understand them when there's Wookiees walking around in the core rule book. To be fair, at least Wookiees, you know, that's they're they're pretty well known in the galaxy, but I guess Ewoks they weren't really discovered until the Battle of Endor. Blah blah blah. I just want to be a tiny furry thing that's cute and bloodthirsty. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm just entirely going on. Peekpa is amazing in Last Shot. One of the two standout <laughs> characters for me. I was actually tempted to see if I could find a way to do like the EA Game Pass for Battlefront Two, even though I didn't buy it, and I'm not really all that interested in buying it. I just wanted to play Ewok Hunt. Yeah, where the, I like, watched half the group is stormtroopers and half the group is Ewoks that are stalking them through the woods. Yep, it's hilarious to watch. It really is. <laughs> it's amazingly frustrating to play if you've got no idea what's going on. <laughs> I can yeah, imagine. Yeah, it's like being the main character of a horror movie, or you know, it's not being the main character of a horror movie. It's being a random side extra in a horror movie <laughs> about murderer teddy bears. Yes, <laughs> that's all I want to be. See, that's kind of the other thing is. If we're looking at D&D version, the Dark Elf idea. (laughs) Because unless you're doing an evil campaign, (laughs) virtually 
Like most of the Dark Elves that are taken are supposedly against type because, again, we're going back to the Tolkien thing of all Dark Elves are evil. (laughs) But the idea of having a Gungan that's acclimated to being out in the galaxy instead of inside just Gungan society. Playing a Nemoidian in the time of the Empire as opposed to the time of the Trade Federation. Those are sort of the characters I think could have some really interesting stories to tell because there's a lot of baggage to them. Yeah, and I will say, this actually just reminded me of this. I feel like Nemoidians and Gungans, and and there's a lot of species that just sort of, in the movies especially, are just sort of every one of them that you see is either bad or fits into one, like, horrible stereotype. Because it's a movie, it doesn't have a lot of screen time, and because, you know, that's, they just decided it for visual sake. Like, if you see a Nemoidian, they should be on the bad guy's side or whatever. But I remember back when the, the Legends canon was first, like, a thing... There was a really long time where Twi'leks were all regarded by the galaxy at large to be shifty, untrustworthy jerks because of Bib Fortuna. The fandom at large, like Star Wars, Twi'leks were not main characters. Honestly, I think maybe Rogue Squadron was one of the first times you had a Twi'lek on the good guy's side. You had, like, Noara Van, who was not a Twi'lek in the sense that Bib Fortuna was a Twi'lek. I literally remember there being some line in one of the books where some character, it might have even been Luke, think something about how, like, ah, yes, he's a Twi'lek, they're shifty and can't be trusted. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) For what they were, the Rogue Squadron books did definitely sort of grow things, but... Before you move on, I just had, like, the best idea of, like, a Gungan, a Gungan that's, like, super posh British accent, (laughs) just super cultured, like, four int, we're going full on, just... (laughs) That's just... My brain right now wants that to happen. I want to see that NPC. character then have to go back to Naboo and no one can understand them and they just sort of have to be like, <sighs> One that keeps on showing up is Devorians. Mm. Just on account of the males of the species are the devil characters. Like, yeah. all comes out of a background, like, what, 10 seconds in A New Hope where you've got this red-headed devil that shows up. Wasn't that literally a devil costume that they had? Because I remember most of the cantina costumes were just stuff they found lying around. Could be, could be. But it's, it is classical devil. Now, even with like rebels, they're the underworld type character because you've got uh, the smuggler that Ezra deals with Yeah. in the first season. Oh, I know who you're talking about for Vizago? once because I've seen the first season. Yeah, Vizago. Yeah. yeah, Bizago. Yeah, I just found a Google image search of him when it's like the first thing that comes up when you search. Well, maybe not the first thing. The first thing is the the movie one, but he's pretty close second. That's kind of the sort of shtick for him, and you sort of get the three ways of playing. Is like you either play supposedly straight and play into the trope of like what we were talking earlier about Gans, like being this very sort of uh, coming from an insular society, exploring the universe and talking in a very peculiar way. Or you're playing against type. So you've, you're playing the Renegade. Like, the classic Dungeons and Dragons drow Dritz Duerden, of which, <laughs> yeah. Apparently. <sighs> apparently, there is a canon Deveronian named Risa, by the way. So I guess I now have to play. Spelled the same way, and she's part of Mace Windu's squad. character up. Wait, She's what? part of Mace Windu's squad. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she's, she wielded a single-bladed blue lightsaber. Oh, yeah. So, apparently, I just have to play a Devronian now, so. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah, she's from the Mace Windu comics. I just found a picture of her. Yeah, amazing. Okay, so you've got the Devorians that are like Twi'leks. They're kind of focused in on a particular thing. 
Twi'leks have since kind of grown beyond that because of things like the Rogue Squadron books, but now it sort of seems like there's more uh, diversity in species in how they're being portrayed. You're having a character who is a Devorian as opposed to you're having this slimeball who's a Devorian or being this very trickster sort of person who is going to backstab you. Actually, that's the thing that I loved about Viago is he is absolutely on the up and up. He's just a smuggler. You know, he's just a little s- slimy, but completely up and up. It's fine about it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's my favorite kind of crime lord. It's just, yeah, this is what I do. You guys go try and fight the Empire. Sure, sure, sure. I'm just going to cut my own little bit of good out over here. And I'll be okay. <laughs> I'm just going to look out for my own. <laughs> like, you can sort of, you can play the renegade, which is sort of going distinctly against type. Or you're just sort of trying to find something that's taking, and this is the part where it actually turns into an actual role-playing bit. You're taking the core of a character and having their experience of what does it mean to come out of this sort of species and make it apply to the character. How does that background, like it's a part of the background, but it isn't the totality of the background. That's the reason why I keep on looking to be taking non-human species. Yeah. Because it's another background point. Why not try playing a Weequay pirate? <laughs> I mean, how often can you sound like a Minsk from Baldur's Gate? <laughs> One of the questions that got brought up while we were discussing topics is, so how do you get players to actually play non-human characters? And how do you make it matter? I'm very lucky in that my groups are very into not doing, like, They like experimenting with things, so I love that. So I don't really have to, like, bribe them to do it, but I feel like, like we've said before, Session Zero is a great thing because at Session Zero, you can tell them, I'd like you guys to consider playing characters that aren't human, so, and then explain why you would want it. So in some cases, it's like, it's more high stakes if we're not all humans because it's, Harder to blend in. You're not going to all be able to fit in your storm and stormtrooper armor that you steal, stuff like that. So it's just, it gives more danger to the situation. It's it's harder to blend into a crowd of people if you have a Wookiee with you or a Gungan with you. So just kind of appeal to their sense of adventure in that way. And maybe, I don't know, bribe them with an extra 50 XP if someone decides to take something that's not human. I don't know. I'm not going to judge you for what you do. <laughs> but I mean, there's other things you can do is if they don't, if some people do take non-human characters and other people still want to play human, you can always in your game make interesting things happen because you have non-humans in your group. Yeah, I, I find sometimes my players are a little bit wary of playing as uh, non-humans because they're afraid of having to deal with the end game sort of imperial racism. Not like they're actually afraid of racism, but like, they're just sort of like, oh, I'd rather not have my character searched at every single, like, you know, checkpoint. And to that, I always say, well, I mean, A, that's fun, but <laughs> it adds some opportunities for role-playing. But B, it's not like everywhere in the galaxy is on high imperial culture. Like, most places outside of, like, the core are not that heavily imperialized, and they're not places that you're going to have to worry about that quite as much. Like, the non-humans have got to live somewhere in the Empire. Like. <laughs> And secondly, I've had a surprising number of people who, once they just try it, like, do a one-shot. 
and make pregens even and, and let none of them be human and just do a one shot. Don't don't lock your players out of playing humans for the whole campaign, but just let them try playing something else. And suddenly they're like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like <laughs> my character can breathe underwater. That's awesome. My character has, you know, wings. <laughs> I can hover around and fly up stuff. I know I've mentioned her before, but this one character that my friend played, she she played a quote unquote sexy Toydarian. That was her <laughs> whole character concept was that she actually she actually wanted to be like a Toydarian that was considered attractive, and she was like an entrepreneur or whatever. But she had so much fun just like zipping around, hovering around everybody else. <laughs> and there was a scene with an electrified floor, and she was just sort of like smugly looking at the rest of the party, seeing how much they'd pay her to fly over and turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Every species that isn't human for the most part, has a talent to them. They Some of them are just, they get an extra skill rank or something, but most have something cool that they can do, like the hover of a Toydarian or the aquatic of the Ishitib, Quarren, Minecal, Gungan. There's probably like five more that I'm missing at least off the top of my head. <laughs> but making it aquatic matter, like actually having a section where the thing that the players need to get is underwater, so, well, yeah, everyone could just sort of flip the light side point and get their <laughs> breathing apparatus or whatnot. Or you keep that, and then the person who is aquatic just goes down and is able to do it on their own. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that you definitely want to reward when someone takes that kind of thing. One, the murder mystery I did, one of my players chose to be a Chiss, and Chiss can see infrared. Oh. <laughs> that's their thing so we had one thing cool. where a scene like something had just happened in the room and everyone had somehow left and they got to the room and they were trying to look around with perception and i had specifically made it so oh you can't see anything everything seems to have been cleaned up and then i was like but maybe someone maybe there might be heat left over or something and so the chess player was able to be like ah well do i see anything in the infrared <laughs> It's that kind of thing that you kind of want to reward them for doing that kind of thing. At least make it interesting for them. Otherwise, someone can be like, ah, oh, yes. Twi'leks have, they can, they don't suffer setbacks to heat. <laughs> which is the most useless thing. Because what, unless you're going to Ryloth or Tatooine or something like that, you're not going to really have that be an issue. <laughs> That's unless. why my Twi'lek characters like to start fires all over the room. No. <laughs> So if they are doing something, take them somewhere where they can use it. <laughs> yes. If you're the GM, if you're the GM and they've taken a non-human species, look into it, see Do what it. their what their talents are, what their strengths, what their weaknesses are. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them also have weaknesses. Oh yes. Yeah, I have imposed extra setbacks on Wookiees in hot environments because of that. I've been like, okay, well <laughs> you're bosses. basically wearing an yeah. unremovable fur coat. So you're dying yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Or Sevastasens, or yeah, yeah, yeah. You. So yeah, they have rules for them. Where is that? Yeah, I forgot. Um, forged in battle. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I remember having an action figure of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how you make it matter. If they've gone out and they've done it, <laughs> at least look into it so you can make it matter. Otherwise, they're just playing a flavored human at that point, and then it's just like, well, why did I do that? That right there is how you make it matter. Yeah. That is a huge thing of make the species difference matter. Like I could it would be so hilarious if someone in the upcoming heroes were to take a Rodian because so many different Rodians that just show up all over the place. Yeah. 
Like, Mask of the Pirate Queen just has, like, rodents just popping out of the woodwork everywhere. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> I do kind of wish like, that Chistori were a race. <laughs> There's, like, none of them in even the old Legends canon, but they're, like, Velociraptor people. <laughs> <laughs> Love for the Slui Vannon. Oh, in Unlimited Power, they aren't Slui Vannon, but they're another Naga-style species. They actually have a serpent tail instead of legs. Oh, there you go. I can't remember what they are, but it's it's just, well, there actually was a on-screen Jedi Master who did that. But it was just, okay, sure. <laughs> I did once have a player ask me if I would accommodate a sea rook. And I was like, how would you even begin to explain this? But, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't be a velociraptor that steals people's souls to make their gun work. <laughs> We're not having entechment in this campaign, okay? Thank you. We're moving on. <laughs> Aww. As fun fact, as an eight-year-old, I read about entechment in the, like, <laughs> ultimate guide to creatures or something from the library, and it gave me nightmares. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I could see that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the species I am talking about is a Vespasian. Oh, man. Those guys look cool. Oh, Thespasian. I looked at Vespasian and I was like, oh, wait, this is a Roman emperor. <laughs> no. <laughs> Possibly named after, but yeah, Thespasian shows up in oh, The Phantom Menace. Oh. Like, they've got hair all over their face, like, all <laughs> over. And then they've got a snake bottom. <laughs> and apparently they've got, like, a set of vestigial arms as well. <laughs> they obviously have a species type bonus to whatever they do, which I'm not near my unlimited power at the moment, so I've got no clue what it is. Every character that, or every non-human species has a thing they're great at, so give them a chance at it. It makes it feel so much cooler. Yeah, nobody's like picking a character and then being like, oh, these talents, I'm not going to weigh this in my decision because it'll never come up. They're all like, oh, I'm sure <laughs> I'll find a way to use this. Yeah. Even if you do play a human. The thing as a GM is they are playing a human. How do you make this matter? And one of the things is is that humans do get the two non-career skills, which need to be chosen after they've chosen their careers and specializations. Put them in a situation where that actually matters. We're talking for pretty much all of this. How is this going to matter? Like, how does being a Togruta matter? How does being a Twi'lek matter? How does being a droid matter? <laughs> this is part of your player characters. This should matter somehow. Okay, that's kind of my final thought for the episode. I think it's a good final thought. Yeah, it's a good final thought. Now I'm just sort of fishing for your two final thoughts. <laughs> I think that really my favorite part of the non-humans is to see the cultures and the differences of like, just the, the different perspectives on life and the different things that happen when you have them. And it just adds something extra when you have uh, like a, a different species to play with. And especially Star Wars, because Star Wars has so, 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 so many options, even if you're not looking for one that's actually already officially in the rules. Like, you can find one that you can play as somewhere, and you can probably just take some of the rules from the existing ones and use it for them. And there's just, there's just so many options out there. To me, I'm always like, why would I play a human in Star Wars? There's so many other options, and there's so many other RPGs where I can't help but play a human. So I'm going to take my opportunity, since I'm in Star Wars right now, to be a Twi'lek, to be a Rodian, to play a Wookiee, to be a Hut, or, you know, to be whatever, to be a, the Thespasians? Sure, we'll call it that. To be, to be these <laughs> weird things, to have these fun 
backgrounds for the characters. I don't know. I, I just really like the idea of getting out of your box, especially because I'm such a big fan of really trying to inhabit and, and roleplay the character versus just use them as a frame to hang your stats on. Also, you said to be so many times, I thought you were going to go into Hamlet. I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry. I feel like my final thought is pretty much the same as you guys, though. But I'm just going to reiterate that if you as a player are having trouble trying to find another species to play that isn't human, either watch a Star Wars movie or Rebels has a lot of good aliens in it and stuff like that. Find one that looks cool to you and research them. And if you can't find stats for them, and you don't want to make your own stats, find just go down the rabbit hole and find something else adjacent to it. Or if you don't want to do that, open up one of the maps and just put your finger on a random planet and look it up. <laughs> find out what lives there. If you as a player are wanting to branch out and don't know what to do, do stuff like that and make sample characters. You don't have to use all of them. Just have fun making it and then see whichever one seems the most fun to you. Go with it. Also, you get so many cool situations that happen when you're not playing a human. Wrong, wrong, wrong. How was I to know he had cybernetic nostrils? Time for plan B. Ah, uh, don't worry about it. The last three times I've ripped this guy off, I've made sure to have a good distraction in place first. While you're keeping him occupied, I'll, uh, I'll get the security codes worked over on this Action 6. Wait, you two buckle in? This is gonna get bumpy. I jam the throttles forward and yard back on the attitude controls. The large freighter creaks into the sky, slowly. Find us in the next tale from the Hydean Way. You can find show updates on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and I'm at Deuterium Ice. I'm at AKA Agent Shades. And I'm at Cookie Kit. We're at thehydeanway.com where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about in the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. Our podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, where you can find more episodes and help us out by rating and reviewing us. Drop us a holocom at tales at thehydeanway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and you want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Or you can give us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash thehydeanway.